0: Thank you for joining us here on Talk Money. I'm Keith Quinn here with Ted Miner, and on the phone we have Kurt Zarnowski from Zarnowski World Headquarters. Kurt, welcome and good morning.
1: Hey, Keith. Good morning. Great to be back with you guys. Hey, you know, I just want to let you know I'm up here in the World Headquarters of Zarnowski Consulting, and the commute this morning was very arduous, (laughs) making all the way from my bedroom here to the World Headquarters right down the hall Or a couple of things strewn in my pathway and it really slowed me down. So well,
0: I can only imagine. Kurt, how, how's the weather up there? Are you snowed in?
1: No, no, no. Actually, I just want you to know, I also heard the weather forecast is supposed to be 70 down there on Sunday and I want to let you know it's going to be 70 here this weekend as well. Wow. 35 on Saturday, 35 on Sunday. <laughs> you add them up, get your 70.
0: <laughs> That's a great way to look at it, but we always talk about I would not live up there because that is a quality of life issue. Well, uh,
1: but I do all love all your community. All I can say is, it's not Buffalo. That's, uh, so I'm very, very thankful.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, Kurt, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we love having you on the show. Uh, I've missed talking to you the last couple of times. I've been out when you've been on, so I'm glad that, uh, to be back. I've noticed
1: that, Keith, and I've been really hurt by it. Uh,
0: well, you know, it's nothing personal. Uh, Jim's uh, you know, <laughs> had me out running around, but I am back and, and happy to have you here this morning. So, Kurt, let's just dive right in. This is one of the, you know, the topics that we get a ton of questions on. And, you know, we've got Ted Miner in the studio here with us, and he deals with a lot of clients. But let's just talk, uh, you know, talk about it starting with the basics. You know, how do you become eligible for Social Security retirement benefits?
1: Sure. And, you know, Social Security has been around for more than 79 years, Keith and Ted. And despite the age of the program, there's still lots of questions, lots of myths and misunderstandings uh, about how, how people qualify for benefits. And in this basic one, it's from day one, Social Security eligibility has been tied to working, working and paying Social Security tax, that FICA tax. Right. If you're working in a job covered by Social Security this year, you're going to pay 6.2% FICA tax on the first $117,000 that you make. But how do you qualify for benefits? How much work do you need? Now, the program started, and they talked about having to earn quarters of coverage or the abbreviation QCs, people may be familiar with that. And in the first days of the program, you need to actually work during a calendar quarter of the year, January, February, March, April, May, whatever. And if you worked during a specific calendar quarter of the year and you made at least $50 during that calendar quarter, then you earned one quarter of coverage. You could earn a maximum of four quarters of coverage during any calendar year. Well, in 1978, though, system was changed. Congress changed the rules, made it a lot easier to get coverage and protection, because now you vest, if you will, under Social Security, not by earning quarters of coverage, and the term of art now is called credits, and you earn Social Security credits based on not when you happen to work, but on the dollar amount you happen to have. Right. 2014, for example, for each $1,200 that you make in a job covered by Social Security, you earn one social security credit now you can still earn a maximum of four credits during a calendar year but that means for example 2014 if you work in a job covered by social security and you make at least forty eight hundred dollars during the course of the year you can make it all in one day you can spread it out but it doesn't matter when you make it as long as you make forty eight hundred bucks you have earned your four credits for 2014 and the bottom line Keith is that once you have accumulated forty four zero credits and or quarters of coverage you are And the term they use is insured for benefit but think it: you are vested in the social security program and you'll always collect something at some point down the road you don't have 40 credits on your own 40 quarters of coverage throughout your working life you're not going to be eligible for anything based on your own work activity but it may be possible for you to collect something based on the work and earnings of your spouse but 10 years of work going all the way back to your very first job 40 credits accumulated Bingo, get your foot in the door and titles you to something.
2: Hey, Kurt, this is Ted. Question for you. Hey, Ted. I, I, um I talk with a lot of people who are, you know, Social Security is that, you know, a big part of that uh, retirement benefit. And probably the most important question I get or, or strategy that we talk about is when do I take those benefits? And, you know, a lot of people know about 62 and 66, but, you know, the other numbers they don't think about. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, when someone should actually start receiving?
1: Sure. You know, and, and – uh, Great issue. That's a big issue. The, the the most frequently asked question I get when I'm out talking to folks. And, you know, I try and explain to folks, from my perspective, you know, you have worked, you have paid into the system. It's your choice, your decision as to when you start to collect your benefits. But I always want to make sure people are making an informed decision. They understand their choices and their options. And as long as they go in and make a decision with their eyes wide open, that's, that, that's fine for me. But I really like to let people think these days – Well, at any point, the key is knowing what is called your full retirement age for Social Security purposes. Now, for any of us baby boomers born between 1943 and 1954, our full retirement age for Social Security is age 66. And under the program, if you start to collect right at your full retirement age, you get 100% of what your work and earnings have entitled you to. But it's a social insurance program. Congress has always intended that people... Will collect roughly the same amount of lifetime benefits regardless of when they start. And so, one of the rules of the program, Ted, as you mentioned, is if you start, you can start prior to your full retirement age. You can start as early as age 62. But the deal is if you opt to start collecting payments before you've hit that full retirement age, because now, in theory, anyway, you'll be collecting for a longer period of time based on that old average life expectancy. Right. So, the amount you collect each month is reduced each month prior to full retirement age you draw a benefit your payment's reduced by about half a percent and it's also a permanent reduction. Yeah
2: you know, there's a lot of people but by the same are...
1: token you can wait past your full retirement age if you want to start collecting then and now in theory you'll be collecting for a shorter period of time so your monthly payment is increased these are called delayed retirement credits and Delayed retirement credits mean for each month you don't collect past full retirement age, your benefits increase by two-thirds of a percent or 8% per year. These delayed retirement credits stop accruing at age 70. So it's really kind of like this seesaw, this fulcrum with 66 these days for full retirement age in the middle. You can start as early as 62. If you start collecting at 62, you get 25, the way the reduction factor works out. You get 25% less each month than you'd receive. If you started at full retirement age, but by the same token, you can wait past full retirement age before starting, and for each year, you don't collect 8% increase, meaning if you wait all the way until age 70, your monthly payment's going to be 32% higher than it would have been.
0: You know, yeah, so get it, I love that analogy, Kurt, with looking at it like a seesaw. So you're saying if you do, you can file early, and, and I think that's the uh, the right way to look at it from a planning perspective. That may make sense for some people. Uh, you yeah, know, for absolutely. others that can wait. You know, obviously, waiting till seventy has some real benefits. But if you do file early, let's say you file at sixty-two and realize that, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, it, are you you said you're stuck, locked in, can't can't reverse it?
1: Well, with a, with a couple of caveats in there. So if you file. Discover that, oops, I've made a mistake. Under the rules these days, as long as you have collected benefits for less than 12 months, you have the option of going back to Social Security, and the technical term is withdrawing the application, saying I want a do-over. Now, to get that processed, you will need to repay any benefits you may have collected. Now, Social Security doesn't charge interest in that, but you need right. to refund anything you had collected, and then that old application goes away and you are free to file again at whatever point makes the most sense for you. But let's say you have collected for more than 12 months. Okay. Unfortunately, you're limited in what you can do, but what a lot of people don't realize is if you are at your full retirement age, there's a key point again, under the terms of the Senior Citizen Freedom to Work Act, which was passed back in the year 2000, You can go to Social Security at that point and ask to have your payments suspended, this voluntary payment suspension. You go in there, and what Social Security will do, they will stop paying you, and for each month full retirement age forward that you don't collect a benefit, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, you're going to earn delayed retirement credits, and that will increase your benefit by two-thirds of percent for each month you don't collect. So You cur- still have that ability to have your payments suspended full retirement age onward, even if you had started collecting at 62 or 63 or whatever. So if you've been drawing payments for more than 12 months and you change your mind, eh, not really a lot you can do until you reach your full retirement age. And at that point, you can ask to have your monthly payments suspended. And for each month that you don't collect going forward up until age 70, your benefit amount is going to be increased. So you can make PAC part of that reduction that you would incur in your payment
2: kurt so if i if i turn it on at 62 and i realize i've got a mistake on the 13th month you're telling me i've got to wait another three years
1: i believe the term of art is sol my friend
2: (laughs) (laughs) you know you you talked about those small percentages to begin with and uh up right there at the end of, of your of your analogy of this, you started talking about the big 25% difference from 62 to 66 and and 32% difference from 66 to 70. And, you know, I, I got a lot of people, they, th- they think they can't wait to that 62. But when you get down and do the hardcore numbers and they start thinking about it and really the importance of creating cash flow in retirement, you know, they start looking at it a little bit differently.
1: It's a really big you know, deal. That, yep. Something else to keep in mind, too. I don't know how much time we have before break, but... People ought to recognize, too, that by opting to wait, not only is your own monthly payment higher, but if we have a chance, that we've, and we've done this in the past, talked about survivor benefits, but if you're talking about paying survivor benefits, by waiting, the survivor benefit is basically based on 100% of what the deceased individual had been collecting at the time he or she had passed away. So people also need to recognize that by waiting, not only is your own payment higher, but any survivor benefit that might be made down the road is going to be higher as well. And by starting sooner, you're not only reducing your own payment. It's also meaning that any survivor benefit that might be made is going to be lower as well. So it's another factor to consider. But again, it's the individual's choice.
0: Individual's choice. That's, that's the right way to look at it. Kurt, we are going to take a quick break. But before we do that, just tell us briefly that how Social Security calculates this benefit uh, amount. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about spouses and some other, uh, other interesting uh, aspects of Social Security.
1: Well, basic, it's a secret formula. It's like the, <laughs> the secret sauce on the, the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now, basically, benefits are calculated using a formula that Congress has written right into the law. As I said right up front, there's a relationship between your work and your earnings. The more you've made, the more you've paid into the system, the more you collect each month from Social Security. Um, but it's not a perfect correlation. But in calculating anybody's benefit, Social Security does go back to a number of steps. first step is that they do adjust all of your prior year earnings for inflation, bring them up to what they are in today's dollars. Then they go pick out and average someone's highest, wait for it, 35 years of work under the system. Another one of those myths I've encountered. So many folks think your benefit is tied to your last three or your high five, like some other pension systems. Now, benefits are tied to a lifetime of earnings, which is defined as your highest 35 years under the system. So what happens if you don't have 35 years where you paid into Social Security? Well, it's still going to be average of 35 years. So if you don't have 35 years with something, zeros get plugged in. So basically, you need 10 years of time to get your foot in the door and title you to something. But when it comes time to calculate the amount you're going to get, it's your highest 35 years of work that get averaged. And it comes out with a benefit amount average retirement payment. 2014
0: is $1,294. $1,294. That is a big deal when you're thinking about cash flow planning in retirement.
1: Absolutely. But again, you wait until age 70, you're going to get 32% more than that.
0: And I am all about getting a 32% return, Ted, and I love a return that's almost, you know, and I hate to say that G word, but it is close to guaranteed. 8% a year. 8% a year. Mm. You can't beat that. I'm Keith Quinn in the studio with Ted Miner, and we are speaking with Kurt Zarnowski. Kurt, you told us about, you know, how we calculate Social Security benefits. Uh, you know how you qualify for that. Uh, now, tell us if you don't work how do a, how does a spouse qualify? Can a divorced spouse qualify? And what about widowers? So, how are some of the other ways that you can qualify for Social Security benefits?
1: Sure. And and again, uh, we'll talk about spousal benefits. We'll talk about divorced spousal benefits. and Then we'll talk about survivor benefits. Incidentally, the program is completely gender neutral, meaning it doesn't matter whether it's the husband who's the primary wage earner or the wife or or whatever. But for purposes of our discussion today, guys, we'll assume it is the husband who is the higher wage earner and talking about how does a non- or low-earning wife qualify for benefits. But it works both both ways, but it gets confusing when you try and talk in politically correct sure. terms. So we'll assume it's the husband who has worked, wife hasn't worked. Basically, under the rules of the program, we'll assume the husband has worked, paid into the system, we'll say his... Social Security full retirement age amount is $1,000 a month. Okay. The wife, as a spouse, at her full retirement age, is eligible to collect a monthly payment equal to 50% of that full retirement age amount, or in our example, $500, that will be paid to her in addition to the 1000 that's paid to the husband, and it will be paid to her even though she may not have worked a day outside the home in her life. Gotcha. Now, for her to be able to collect, here's a key one. He needs to have applied for benefits. He needs to have applied for benefits. She can't just walk in there and get a spousal payment on her own without him having applied in the first place. Second, for her to be able to collect, she has to be at least age 62. That's the earliest age spousal payments can be made, no different than on the retirement program, the same concept holds. She starts to collect at her full retirement age. She gets the full 50%. She starts to collect that earlier. That amount is reduced. It works out. She starts at age 62, the earliest possible point. She gets 35% of his full retirement age amount. And that's a third key point on spousal benefits. Her payment is related to his full retirement age amount, the amount he would have collected had he started at that point. It isn't necessarily tied to what he's actually collecting. So for example, the husband starts to draw his payments at age 62, so instead of getting $1,000, he's getting $750 a mm-hmm. month. Well, if the wife waits until her full retirement age, she's still going to get a full $500 a month, 50% of the full retirement age amount. So in this instance, she gets more than half. But by the same token, say he had waited until age 70 to collect, getting that 1320 her payment at full retirement age is still only going to be $500. These Increases or decreases have no impact at all in terms of spousal benefits, and that's what's paid while he's still alive. It's based on the full retirement age amount. Gotcha. So how about the wife has worked, has paid into the system, and let's say she's earned a benefit on her own of $800. Well, one of the basic rules of the program is as a spouse, you can collect either 50% of your husband's full retirement age amount or your own, you collect one or the other, whichever one is higher, not both at once. So with her own $800 benefit exceeds that $500 spousal portion. So she simply collects that. But say she hadn't worked that much, so her own benefit was only $250. Well, social security at that point gives her an additional $250 to bring her up to that five, Excuse me, $500 or 50%,
0: gotcha, 50% of his
1: full retirement age amount. So that's Spousal benefits, while the husband's alive, the wife is eligible to collect 50% of his full retirement age amount or her own, whichever one is higher, but not both. So let's say they get divorced. Can that divorced wife collect benefits? Well, she can if a few conditions have been met. First and foremost, marriage needs to have lasted 10 years prior to the divorce. For regular spousal benefits, just a one year duration of marriage requirement, but with divorced spousal cases, Marriage needs to have lasted 10 years prior to the divorce. Second, for her to be able to collect, she cannot be married. She cannot be married. If she remarries, she loses eligibility on her ex-husband, but certainly gains potential eligibility on her new husband. Right. And then thirdly, she'd have to be at least age 62, earliest age a divorced spouse can collect, no different than regular spousal benefits. So that's divorce, spousal, spousal benefits, while the husband's alive. So what happens if the husband passes away? Right. Well, now we're talking about survivor benefits. And here, the basic rate for the surviving wife is not going to be 50% of his full retirement age amount, but it's going to be 100% of what he happened to be collecting at the time he passed away, or would have been collecting had he been drawing benefits. So for example, he's getting $1,000 a month, she's getting $800, he passes away, Assuming she is at her full retirement age or older, well, she'll begin to receive an additional $200 a month, bringing her monthly payment from the $800 on her own up to that $1,000 that he had been collecting. But two points. She collects on one account or the other. She doesn't continue to collect both payments. So while her individual benefit goes up, total household income is actually dropping. Because while he was alive, they were getting $1,800 a month in Social Security. Right. That's now dropped, and she's getting $1,000. But the other more important point, and we had referenced this a little bit earlier in the show, is say he had waited from age 66 all the way to age 70 so that at the time he passed away, he was getting $1,320 a month because of those delayed retirement credits. Well, he passes away. Well, the good news for her is her widow's payment will be that $1,320 per month. And the fact that he had waited... As I said earlier, not only meant that his eventual payment would be higher, but it also meant that the widow's benefit that will go to her upon his passing is going to be higher as well. One other point, always get the question, well, what if he hits full retirement age, opts to defer, but dies, say, two years later at age 68, never having collected? What's the widow's benefit based on? Well, the good news is it's based on that age 68 rate he would have been collecting had he started the month he passed away. So. Even though he never sees any benefit from that waiting, the survivor benefit does incorporate those delayed retirement credits, so her payment eventually is higher because of his waiting.
0: Guys, I don't know of anything that you can do where planning is so important on the actual dollar amount you get. And when you're talking about you know basically a pension that lasts for the rest of your lives,
2: this is just incredibly important. Well, it really is. What we also find out, Keith, is people are so uninformed. Absolutely. I mean, it's a government program. It's pretty complicated. It really really is.
0: Well, now, Kurt, you've talked about that. You know, who's qualified? We talked about spousal. We talked about survivor benefits. Now, how are or what are some of the strategies that people can use to maximize this, again, this this cash flow payment that they're going to get in retirement?
1: Sure. So we'll try and uh, cram in discussion of three strategies. All of these pertain to couples, first and foremost. Okay. As they say to folks, the way a single individual optimizes his or her lifetime social security benefits, you wait until age 70 to start and then live forever. But with couples... That's a good strategy. Thank you. (laughs) Maybe some things you can do. Now, all of these, again, flow from someone, one or at least least one or both members of the couple, having reached full retirement age. That's a triggering thing for all of these. Keep that in mind. First one we'll touch on is called file and suspend... And this best illustrated, it also came from that Senior Citizen Freedom to Work Act I had referenced. But now let's say it's that traditional husband and wife situation that we had referenced. He'd worked, she had never worked, so she could only collect a spousal benefit and she could only collect a spousal benefit if he actually applied for benefits. But he's sitting there, having listened to the show, he wants to wait. And he's wondering, is there something he can do? to allow him to wait, but still get some money for his wife. And this file and suspend strategy says if he waits until his full retirement age, he can go to Social Security at that point, file his application for retirement benefits, and then immediately ask to have his monthly payments suspended. We talked about this a little bit earlier. By asking to have his payments suspended, he won't collect anything, and he'll therefore earn those delayed retirement credits, increase his benefit by by its having applied in the first place, it now opens up eligibility for her to collect that spousal benefit. And if she is at her full retirement age, the same point, she'll get 100%. I'm, I'm sorry, she'll get the full 50% of his full retirement age amount. She's under full retirement age, just to be at least age 62 to get that spousal benefit, just as in regular situation. But it's a way that he can defer, earn the delayed retirement credits increases, eventual benefit Increase the eventual survivor payment, but allow some money to be paid to her while he's waiting. So file and suspend. suspend. Gotcha. Second strategy, what's called claim some now, claim more later. And now we've got husband and wife again, but now both of them have worked, both have paid into the system. We'll say he's got a thousand dollar full retirement age amount. She's got an eight hundred dollar full retirement age amount. She has decided to start collecting her payments, so she's receiving benefits. But he's sitting there still wanting to wait to earn those delayed retirement credits, but he's wondering, is there something I can do to get me some money while I'm waiting? And if he waits until full retirement age, key point again, full retirement age, he at that point can go to Social Security and apply for just a spousal benefit. And by doing that, he'll collect 50% of her full retirement age amount or 400 bucks a month, but he won't have applied for his own retirement payment because he won't have applied for his own retirement benefit. He'll earn delayed retirement credits going forward. Key thing is he has to be at full retirement age because you go to Social Security before full retirement age, you don't have this option of just taking a spousal benefit. You have to take your own retirement benefit first. And if your own retirement benefit is more than what you could collect as a spouse, well, you just collect on your own. Gotcha. So this is, as I say, off out, an awful lot like Mary Poppins. It's a spoonful of sugar helping the medicine go down. He's able to get this spousal benefit, defer collecting on his own, and assuming all goes well, four years later at age 70, he goes back to Social Security at that point, applies for his own retirement payment, And because he will have not been collecting his own retirement benefit during that four-year period, the amount he collects at that point will be 32% higher than the full retirement age amount. He'll get the benefit of 8% per year increase, but he'll have been collecting this spousal benefit in the meantime. Third strategy. I talk about combined strategies. So basically now you've got the husband and wife. Both have worked. Both have paid in. And now both of them want to defer. Right. Key strategy says if they wait until full retirement age. Now, both of them have to be at full retirement age. In that prior strategy, he had to be at full retirement age. She was collecting. Didn't matter what age she had started at, he was collecting. But now, if they both are at full retirement age, they walk in. He's got a full retirement age amount of 1000 bucks. So let's say he files and suspends. She's got a full retirement age amount of $800. She comes in also at full retirement age and files for a spousal benefit only because neither one of them will be receiving their own retirement payment. They'll both be earning delayed retirement credits going forward, increasing their respective benefits by 8% per year. But because she will have applied for that spousal benefit, she'll immediately collect $500 a month. In our example, that's 50% of his full retirement age amount that will come into the house each month while both of them are opting to defer so, again, in all three strategies, at least one member of the couple has to be at full, full retirement, retirement age. But it's a way that at least one member of the, uh, the household is going to be receiving Social Security benefits, while one or perhaps both members of the couple are opting to defer earning those delayed retirement credits and increasing their eventual payment.
0: Mr. Zarnowski, that is some fantastic information. We appreciate your time and so much appreciate you sharing your knowledge with our listeners. I know it's given them a lot to think about. Thank you so much.
1: All right, guys. Hey, happy
2: Thanksgiving. Hey, happy, Thanksgiving. happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Kurt. We'll talk to you. Bye-bye.
0: Ted, some great information. Kurt always uh, has some really good things to think about, and Social Security is incredibly complicated.
2: Well, you hear, you know, you listen to a man like that that's, that's been in it for so long, and it, it – it, it tells you why you need to plan. You need it to talk really to somebody. does.
0: And all of those, you know, just make such a huge difference. And I want to thank Ted Minder. Ted, you've been a great guest. Appreciate you coming in. Kurt Zarnowski, Kate. you know, shared some in- excellent insights on Social Security. Of course, Art Frederick, who does a phenomenal job as our program director. Uh, Eleanor Moskowitz and Katie Bershear, our production assistants. Jeff Long, our compliance officer. Drew Johnson, who writes our Mid-South History Moments, and Rebecca Brazier, who does an amazing job reading them. I'm Keith Quinn. Please join us next week when we'll help you make the most of your money.
1: Money, money,
0: money, money. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Incorporated, Securities Dealer Member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.